0: Pastor Xavier Reese, contrasting worldviews of saints with AIDS on today's Simple Truths.
1: 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Don't expect the non-believer to understand your worldview. They will not. But we trust God to do this, you understand? So we pray for those.
0: Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. The Council of Proverbs 18.19 is this, A brother offended is harder to win than a strong city, and contentions are like the bars of a castle. This is wise advice, to be sure, from King Solomon, and fair warning when it comes to resolving a dispute between Christians. It's no wonder, then, that the Apostle Paul saw it necessary to address the Corinthian church, having seen them make a bad situation worse by seeking man's court of law over the law of God. Pastor Xavier takes us back to the book of 1 Corinthians as court is in session for today's Simple Truths.
1: 1 Corinthians chapter 6, we're going to look at verse 1 through 11. The message is entitled, Christians and Worldly Courts. Let me read. There any of you having a matter against another go to law before the unrighteous and not before the saints? Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world will be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Do you not know that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? If then you have judgments concerning things pertaining to this life, Do you appoint those who are least esteemed by the church to judge? I say this to your shame. Is it so that there is not a wise man among you, not even one, who will be able to judge between his brethren? But brother goes to law against brother, and that before the unbelievers? Now, therefore, it is already an utter failure for you that you go to law against one another. Why do you not rather except the wrong. Why do you not rather let yourselves be cheated? No, you yourselves do wrong and cheat, and you do these things to your brethren. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. The failure of the Corinthians to litigate against, against each other before the pagan courts is characterized by three things. First, verse 1 through 3, the confrontation regarding their lawsuits. 4 through 8, the repudiation Regarding their lawsuits. In 9 through 11, the caution regarding their lawsuits. The confrontation regarding their lawsuits is what comes first. Verse 1 through 3. Notice in verse 1, the Apostle Paul pronounced the indictment against the Corinthians as a prosecuting attorney. He takes the role now. The court is the heavenly court. Paul proclaimed his amazement at the Corinthians over their lack of hesitation and indifference to go to court against one another. Listen to the words. Dare any of you? The word is used for the Pharisees who dared not ask Christ any more questions in Matthew 22, 46. There was a hesitation. There was a, you held back. The Corinthians had no breaks. The Corinthians were filled with pride thinking they were spiritual, remember. And the idea here is that they were bold in their arrogance. Now notice Paul indicted or indicated here the particular charge against um, the Corinthians. Listen to his words. Having a matter against another, go to law before the unrighteous. The dilemma is stated here. Having a matter against another. The action being taken was the taking of another believer To the law court. Now, notice the problem is also stated. Go to law before the unrighteous. The reference to the unrighteous is the pagan judges. These judges were not born again and would not be judging their cases according to God's standards and righteousness. Paul indicated the proper solution, notice, to the Corinthians and not before the saints. The saints comprise the community of God's redeemed, what you and I are. We're born again. We've come from darkness to light. The saints were those who understood forgiveness, mercy, the love of God. They should have settled their issues within the church. They should have never gone to the pagan courts. Look at 2 and 3. The apostle Paul delivered... The incriminating argument. Mary's the attorney here. Paul pointed out their failure or their future privilege here to judge in the world to come. Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? He's, he plays a great attorney. The phrase "there do you not know" is a strong rebuke to what they did know and they should have acted on. You say to. You know, and do you not know? Didn't I tell you? Same thing. The question is rhetorical one again, having an obvious answer. Yes. Yes, we know. The believer will reign with Christ in the millennial kingdom. This is very clear. Psalm 49, 14, Daniel 7, Matthew 19, 28, the twelve disciple will sit on 12 thrones, the regeneration, 2 Timothy 2, 2, Revelation 22, 5, and many other passages we will rule and reign with Christ in the millennial kingdom. Now, notice Paul points out their failure and their fault regarding the responsibility to the saints. He says, And if the world will be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? The lesson is from the greater to the lesser. The world to come will deal with matters of the kingdom age. The present world encompasses the presence of the kingdom of God in part, but not yet completely fulfilled and established. So if we're going to judge matters of such great importance, these things are petty. These issues here. The question again is rhetorical, having only one answer. No. They were not unworthy, meaning unfit to judge the smallest of matters, the least important things between them. Why were they fit? They were Christians. They knew God. They have the Word of God. Certainly, that it's all the Old Testament. The New Testament's putting together. The Old Testament, like Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, all the core case, how to deal with each other, the fairness, the justice, it's all there. Notice still in three, Paul pointed out their future privilege to judge angels. So the first example, the world to come, now angels. Do you not know that we shall judge angels? Again, the word or the phrase there, do you not know, is the strong rebuke to what they did know, but weren't acting on it intuitively the lesson is again from the greater to the lesser angels are spirit beings as you know angels are ministering spirits to the of salvation angels cannot be redeemed they're not creating the image and likeness of God only man is the question again is rhetorical having another obvious answer the answer is yes the believer will judge the bad rebellious angels not the good ones Some of them are chained in Tartarus that will be cast in the lake of fire. 2 Peter 2, 4, Revelation 19, 19 through 20, and then in 20, verse 10. And there's other passages, but those will do. Now notice also Paul pointed out their fault and failure to the responsibility to the saints of the church again. How much more things that pertain to this life? He went from the greater to the lesser. Now he says, how much more. They were more than able to judge matters of the saints in the church. The phrase, things pertaining to life, means any of the issues arising between the saints. Normal things of life. Neighbor backs out of the driveway and runs over your mailbox. Doesn't want to pay for it. Little Johnny of the Block, Dennis the Menace, he... Got a BB gun and customize your front windows. Stuff like that. A case in point is a good example recently of the humanistic courts that make inappropriate judgments when it comes to Christians or people of faith. This judge ordered a girl who was being homeschooled to attend public school. And the reason was that the judge believed that the, woman, the girl had not had enough exposure to make a proper choice, and she thought it was wrong for her mom to just exclusively give her the limited choice of Christianity. Listen to the judgment. The original order issued in July 2009. Judge Lucinda V. Sadler reasoned that the girl's vigorous defense of her religious belief to her counselor suggests strongly that she has not had the opportunity to seriously consider any other point of view. This is in America. Only one of many cases. It's going to get worse. Does this mean that the Christians are never to go or permitted to go to a secular court in litigation? No. There are critical matters that need to be tended to, whether it be property rights, inheritance, business matters, theft, assault, murder, that you are forced to go to court. We live in the world, but not of the world. So you can't not go for everything and anything. Christians at times deal with um, a believer that is unwilling to arbitrate, as Paul suggests, leaving only one course. Then you have to treat the individual like a publican, like a non-believer. Okay, A believer may have to take an unbeliever to court simply because they have failed to fulfill the contract. And you've got no other choice. Now again, you have the option if you want to just kiss it off, you can. And Paul's going to suggest that, okay? But that's your own personal choice. Paul himself appealed to Caesar, if you remember, in Acts 25.11. So Paul used the courts even though they weren't perfect. In 1 Timothy 2, 1, 4, it says this, Therefore I exhort first of all that supplication, prayers, intercessions, and, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved, and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So we pray for those in authority that God would direct and guide, and intervene, that we may live peaceably and be able to minister without any trouble. But we trust God to do this, you understand? So we pray for those. The scriptures are clear that God has established law and governments. For the command is that we as Christians are to obey the laws of the land and be subject to those in authority, be they kings or governors, because God has established them for punishing the evil doer. Romans chapter 13, verse one through seven. First Peter two, thirteen and 14 are very, very clear. Only when government commands me as a Christian to disobey the word of God, do I have the right to rebel against government, not submit. Acts 5.29, very clear. You judge whether we are to obey God or man, the disciples said. The judgments of the courts in the world have a different standard than the Christian. There are many things that are legal by the law, but they're not moral or ethical. A good example, a very obvious example is abortion. It may be legal, but I as a Christian cannot partake of it. It's unethical. It's murder. So there are a lot of things that lawyers may say, you know, you could do this. Though it may be legal, you as a Christian say, you know, I don't really want to go that way because that's unethical. Or that's immoral. That's your responsibility. You understand? There are humanistic rulings against Christian parents um, because they do not accept the biblical authority of parents over their children. that's becoming more evident even as the illustration I gave you of that case. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Don't expect the non-believer to understand your worldview or your belief system or your standards. They will not. The confrontation regarding their lawsuits revealed their carnality Notice secondly comes the repudiation regarding their lawsuits. 4 through 8. In verse 4 through 6, the Apostle Paul reprimands them for being unwise in going to secular courts, so the focus is wisdom. Paul's argument in verse 4 is from the logical conclusion that they are better equipped to judge the matter of the saints in view of the future privilege of judging the world and angels. Follow the progression. Listen to his words. If then you have judgments concerning things pertaining to this life, do you appoint those who are least esteemed by the church to judge? Notice Paul returns to their present condition. If you have judgments concerning things pertaining to this life. The word judgment means things to be decided on pertaining to this life, the affairs of everyday life, as I stated. Now, Paul, in this next statement, is progressing the argument. Do you appoint those who are least esteemed by the church to judge? The answer is no. Of course we don't. It would be unwise as much as the pagan judges. Okay? And that's the whole point. Look at verse 5. He clears it up. Paul verifies the point of his argument by his sharp rebuke. "I say this to your shame. Is it so that there is not a wise man among you, not even one, who will be able to judge between his brethren? The first part of the verse five is a commentary on what he has just stated in verse four, declaring the way they have handled matters as shameful to their embarrassment and humiliation. Paul is disgusted and he asked them is it so that there is not a wise man among you not even one you've got these matters that are matters of life and, and would you put the least wise to do it no but even if you did they'd be better or just as good as the judges out there right but you wouldn't do that and here's the punchline is there not even one wise man among you when you're going to make decisions, you get the most mature in the church, the wise in the church, those who have been proven by God, right? That's what you pick. The Corinthians were boasting in their wisdom, but proving to be unwise in their life decisions and lives themselves. The Corinthians were trusting in worldly wisdom rather than God's wisdom. He already told us that in chapter 1, verse 19 through 22, chapter 2, verse 1 through 6. The Corinthians were proud and arrogant, so Paul addressed them with sarcasm earlier in chapter 4, verse 8. Remember, he said this, You're already full. You're already rich. You have reigned as kings without us. Indeed, I could wish you did reign, then we also might reign with you. They thought they had arrived. Notice Paul then stated the clear purpose who will be able to judge between his brethren. To judge, adjudicate is the word, the matters of their life. Not crino, to pass judgment, but to adjudicate, arbitrate. You do not put unwise people to solve the problems of believers. You put the wisest men to judge the matters pertaining to the life of the saints to bring scriptural resolution and spiritual benefit to their lives. Look at 6. Paul closes his repudiating argument to the Corinthians by the reality of their unwise decision. But brother goes to law against brother and that before the unbelievers. Paul points out this was a sharp contrast to what they should do by the word but. Paul used the singular masculine, one individual against the other. Paul indicated the process of present reality. The present indicative passive is here. This is no hypothetical situation. This is a real condition. Paul exposed their lack of wisdom by seeking to get a verdict from a pagan judge. Then in 7 and 8, the apostle Paul rebuked the Corinthians for their bad witness. Paul said that they had failed To give a true example of a Christian revealing they were no different than the pagans. Welcome to the church of Jesus Christ today. It's very hard to tell the Christian from the pagan. Listen to his words. Now therefore, it is already another failure for you that you go to law against one another. He told them this took place by the very decision to go to the secular courts. The word already is an adverb and is at the beginning of the sentence in the Greek making it emphatic, pointing to the process that precedes the court action. They, having spent much time trying to settle the problem and failing, decided to go to the secular courts, which was a failure from the onset. If you think you're going to go to court with two Christians and argue the fact for justice from your biblical perspective in the secular court, you're smoking something. It's failed from the beginning. The phrase utter failure means an altogether failure and loss. Even if you're a Christian judge, and I know a man who is, he is bound to the law He cannot judge according to his Christian principle. Although we are a a, a nation of law based on Judeo-Christian principles, it was at one time embraced completely. Now it is not. In fact, it is rejected. He can't judge according to his belief. He is subject to the law, the way it's interpreted and applied today. Paul gave them... Biblical advice in view of their litigations. Don't miss it. Look at the rest of seven there. The innocent person could accept the injustice being done to him. Why do you not rather accept wrong? That's one advice. The innocent person could suffer financial robbery. This is the second one. Listen. Why do you not rather let yourselves be cheated? In other words, the loss of time is better than the bad spiritual example, even as Jesus spoke on the Sermon on the Mount, chapter 5, 38 through 40, and all the whole section there, though he's speaking about persecution against the faith itself. This is litigation. In other words, for the sake of Christ, rather than shaming Christ, don't contest it. Those are the two options of advice. Now, in verse 8, Paul exposed their true heart, of greed by their action in their litigation so from verse 7 there this is the aspect why don't you do this why don't you do that but then he says no you yourselves do wrong cheat and you do these things to your brethren he nails them and as they say well you know you could just let it go you could just suffer the loss and go nah oh, no, but you don't You and you as a parent know if you've dealt with your children right You see, you understand where Paul's coming from here. They were actively being unjust in their present litigations against other brothers.
0: Pastor Xavier Reese, illustrating how God's word is the last word when it comes to justice served among his children. Now, all of our recent programs, including this one, are available for listening again, anytime, just by clicking the radio listings link at calvarychapelpasadena.com. Or, if you prefer to request your own copy of today's important study from 1 Corinthians, titled Christians and Worldly Courts, it's available on CD for just $4. And having your own copy makes a convenient way to pass along this teaching to your brothers and sisters in the Lord once you're through. The title to ask for, once again, is Christians and Worldly Courts. Or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address, once again, is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California 91107. Thanks for including the call letters of this station when you contact us. And join us for more Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese next time.